Church family, we are so glad that each and every one of you are with us today. Hey, can we take a minute and give a huge shout out to our God Behind Bars family, Dixon and Hardy. We love you. We're so glad that you're with us and of course all of our locations. Thanks so much for being here. You know, today and during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're having an extra emphasis on prayer and fasting. And we're excited about so many people who are jumping in and participating. Thanks to everybody who came out yesterday. We had live worship and prayer at 8.30. And if you weren't able to make it, I want to invite you to come out next Saturday. It's such a refreshing time to pray together as a church family in this concentrated focus. And as I've been talking to people, so many people are choosing to fast something during these 21 days so that we can declutter our souls and focus more on Jesus. And people are fasting all types of stuff. Some people, it's Netflix or maybe social media, alcohol, certain types of food. We know the Packers are fasting the playoffs. But also the Bears are fasting winning. So we're praying for football. Some people have asked, hey, can I fast my spouse during the 21 days, or what about parenting? We're not going to recommend that. Come to prayer, okay? But we are enjoying this time of starting the new year off, right? And last week, we kicked off our brand new series. We're calling it Time. If you missed Pastor Jeremy's message, I want to encourage you to go back and check it out. It was a great way to launch into 2023, as he talked about, it's time to start again. But it still feels surreal that it's 2023, right? How many of you made it up till, you stayed up till midnight on New Year's Eve? Couple people. Okay, in our house, our kids were like begging, can we please stay up till midnight? Like they woke up in the morning at 6.30 asking if they could stay up till midnight for New Year's Eve. And they're little and they get grouchy about 7.45. So we said, sure, you can. And then we proceeded to set every clock in the house ahead by four hours. So by 9 p.m., we had watched the ball drop on YouTube from last year. We had done the party poppers. And they were like, we've never stayed up so late in our entire life. So if you have little kids, you can get away with it. That's our parenting hack. But today, I want to continue the conversation about it's time, and I want to focus in on one topic, just one topic that I believe is often undervalued and misunderstood, but it's actually essential for our everyday life in Christ. And right now, we know that there's lots of people making all types of New Year's resolutions. But whether you verbalize it like this or not, I think all of us have a common shared goal. And St. Augustine says it like this. Without exception, all try their hardest to reach the same goal, and that is joy. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to have joy in their lives. And we try to obtain it through lots of different ways, through relationships, social media, binge-watching shows, food and drinks, traveling, lining up the events, finding success, climbing the corporate ladder, buying the next thing or the new thing. We are all in the pursuit of happiness or joy. But if we can just be really transparent for a moment, I find that in America... We are surrounded by so much, yet we are fulfilled by so little. 
And we end up chasing this superficial happiness and this artificial joy. And we think it's going to bring us happiness, but then it just leaves us how we started unfulfilled. And in this rigorous chase, we can miss out on enjoying what we already have, right? Like we can work so hard, yet not enjoy our hard work. We desire to have kids, but then do we purpose time to actually enjoy or find joy in them? We pray for great friends, but then we're too busy to enjoy those friendships or find joy in them. And if we're not careful, what can happen is we end up enduring life and never enjoying life. But God has so much more for us. And as we're talking about this topic of joy today, I want to be really clear about what joy is not. Because there can be a lot of misconceptions about joy. Joy is not obnoxious. Joy doesn't have to be loud. It's not frivolous. It's not based on circumstances. It's not exclusive to certain personality types like an Enneagram 7. It's not absent of trials. Joy can be a calm quiet, inner delight. And it's important that we know joy is available for everyone, for each and every one of us. And joy, true biblical joy, is important to Jesus. In fact, when Jesus entered this earth, it was on a high note. Luke 2.10, we read it at Christmas a lot. It says, I bring you good news. How many like good news? I bring you good news of great joy cried the angel, which shall come to all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. His entrance brought joy. Upon his departure of this earth, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he said to his disciples in John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So God desires for us to have joy, designed us to live in joy, and yet it seems like the world is so heavy. And things can be really dark at times. And joy can be hard to come by. And Jesus says this in John 10.10. This is his words being quoted. He says, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. See, Jesus wants you to have life and joy and have it in abundance, but the enemy not only wants to kill, steal, destroy your life, but specifically the enemy wants to rob you of your joy. Why would the enemy care about your joy? Why would he be after joy today in 2023 and last year in 2022? Why would he be after your joy? I believe it's because of what it says in Nehemiah 8:10. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You might be like, I'm weak, I need more coffee or an extra 10 minutes of sleep, and nothing's wrong with that, but your real strength, the supernatural strength that God wants to have for you, that he wants you to have, the joy of the Lord, 
is our strength. And so if the enemy can rob us of our joy, then he can rob us of our strength. And you better believe that the enemy wants everyone, especially Christ followers, to be depleted, depressed, worn out, weak, weary, tired, too exhausted to make a difference on this earth or enjoy the things that he's given us. And so he's going to attack our joy. But this is what I believe and declare for us today, that in 2023, church, it is time to get your joy back. It is time to get your strength back. It is time to get your purpose back. It's time to get joy back in your parenting. It's time to get joy back in your workplace. It's time to get joy back in your marriage. It's time to get joy back in your spirit. It's a new day, and God has new joy for each and every one of us. And I know that we all go through difficult things and heavy things, but I love the promise of hope that Psalm 35 tells us. Weeping may last through the night, but joy, it comes in the morning. It comes in the morning. It's a hope for the joy that God has for us. And I know that that word joy kind of sounds carefree, maybe a little laissez-faire, maybe a little exciting. But what I've learned is that there's actually a discipline to developing joy in our everyday life and intentionality. See, joy is a byproduct of what Galatians talks about. It's a fruit of being rooted in Christ. And as Christ followers, we should be rooted in him, and then we should have joy and even be known for our joy. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand pleasures forevermore. See, this verse, as well as many other verses that talk about joy, I found that the word joy is paired with words like full. Or joy is paired with words like fullness or to the brim, to the point of overflowing. God wants his joy to be so full in you that it overflows out of you onto those around you. And if we're going to be honest, let's just say that everybody is full of something. But are we full of joy? Okay, maybe in 2022, you had some things happen in life and it made you feel full of bitterness because of what that person did or what they said. Or maybe in 2022, you are so full of worry because of whatever was going on in your situation. Or maybe you were so full of fear or jealousy or discontentment or anger. You were so full of these things to the full, to the brim, to the point of overflowing. And so as you're going through your days, you go into work and somebody bumps into you. And the worry in you overflows out of you onto them. Or you're so full of anger and you get home, and there's your kids, and they kind of bump into you. And what flows out of you onto them is that anger. Or you're carrying around bitterness, and you bump into a friend or a family member. That bitterness just flows out of you 
onto them. And you might be like, well, that anger came out of me onto them because they bumped me wrong. But really, it flowed out of you onto them because it was already in you. And in 2023, in this new year, I believe that God wants joy to be so full in you that it overflows out of you onto those around you. And not a forced joy. It's an overflow. And so today I want to talk about three ways that we can cultivate joy in our everyday life. And these are simple, but hey, simple doesn't mean easy. Simple means it will require discipline, but as we have these daily disciplines, spiritual disciplines, it will lead to transformation over time, and that's exciting. So the first way that we're going to cultivate joy in our everyday lives is number one, choose joy. Choose joy. Okay, here's what we know. Joy is not a matter of fact. It's a matter of choice. It's not just something that you're going to happen upon. Henry Nouwen says it this way. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every single day. It's a choice. You know, this Christmas, it was like the week prior to Christmas. We were here on a Sunday morning, and I ran into someone that I've known for a really long time. They've been a faithful part of City First. And they shared with me that their daughter, who's an adult, was just diagnosed with cancer. And this is someone that I've known for well over a decade, and we've done some life together. And when I heard they had cancer, I was just so heavy-hearted, so broken-hearted. And I got to, after service, go and find this individual, and I gave her a huge hug, wrapped my arms around her, and I said, I just heard the news, and I'm so sorry, and I can only imagine how discouraged you are finding out that you were diagnosed with cancer, heading right into Christmas. And man, did she put this pastor's faith to shame. She looked at me square in the eyes and she said, Lisa, I'm not discouraged. She said, I'm hopeful. And I'm grateful because God gave me an amazing doctor. And this doctor caught this diagnosis in its earliest stages. There's a treatment and there's a plan. I'm surrounded by family. I have a great support system. God is with me. She said, it could have been so much worse. And I just walked away so encouraged, convicted by my friend's faith. And we too easily surrender our joy. We surrender it to circumstances. We surrender it to situations, to what we see, to what we scroll, to what we think, to what we feel, to what we know. But we don't have to surrender our joy. Jesus surrendered his life so that we can have peace and purpose even in the midst of difficult times. So what I learned from talking to my friend is you have the choice to define your reality by joy instead of allowing your reality to define your joy. It would have been really easy for her to surrender her joy to her circumstances, but instead what I watched her do was bring joy into the middle of difficult circumstances. And we know that joy and grief can coexist. And joy and difficulty can coexist. And joy in the unknown can coexist. So we want to choose joy. But the question is, how do we do it? And you might be like, that's great. We want to choose joy. But like, how do we actually 
do that. You're, you're saying, you know, my marriage is a mess or my finances are a wreck. And you're saying, choose joy. How do I actually do that? Well, I'm glad that you asked and we're going to talk about that. How many of you remember, now this is from like the great decades of the 80s and 90s, but how many of you remember the books that were choose your own adventure books? Okay, they got really popular, selling over 350 million copies. And they were so popular because for the first time, it gave you, the reader, the power to determine how the story would go. It gave the reader the power to choose. Would the lead character go on this adventure or that adventure? Would they choose this path or that path? Would they open up door number one or door number two? And what would be behind it? But today I want to remind us that we have the choice in determining what joy can look like in our life and in our story. We get to choose, but how do we do this? When life is coming at you, you're facing something difficult, maybe someone difficult, what do we do? Point number two, choose to trust God. Choose to trust God. Trusting God is essential to having joy in your everyday life. It is paramount. It is necessary. I think we all want to trust God, but when life is flipped upside down or maybe there's high stress situations, what does that actually look like to trust God? Well, a way that this fleshes out is when we run into something that's difficult, do we worry about it or do we pray about it? And what we have to know about worry is worry is placing trust in yourself. Because think about when you worry. You're going, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to provide? How am I going to make amends? How am I going to get through this? How am I? It's placing your trust in yourself and in your own very limited resources and abilities. But when we pray, prayer is placing our trust in God and in him who is unlimited in his resources and his ability and his miracle working power. So we have to choose, are we going to worry or are we going to pray? And what happens when we worry is we get caught up in something that I call the worry cycle. Because we start to worry, and the more that we worry, our worry ends up producing fear. And then what happens when we're fearful or afraid? It can turn into anxiety. And then when we're anxious and we have anxiety, then we end up being stressed. And then we have so much stress that we end up worrying. And then our worry turns into a fear. Fear, anxiety, anxiety, stress. And it's this never-ending cycle. And let me tell you that there is simply no room for joy in the middle of the worry cycle. There's no room for it. You're too worried. You're too filled up with worry and fear and stress to find any space to be joyful. But I love what it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, give all, everybody say all, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because it's what the Bible says to do. Why? Because it's the Christian thing to do. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares about you. We got to remember, we're in a relationship with Jesus, if you've made that decision, and he cares about you. God cares about you so much. He dreamt you up. He created you. 
on purpose and for a purpose. He designed you. He knows every number of hair on your head or lack thereof. He knows you, all the details, and he cares about you. And when we remember that we serve a God that cares so much about us, it's easier to place our trust in him. And I find in my own life that prayer is often an expression of my trust in God. And just how there's a worry cycle, there's a prayer cycle. But we begin to pray when we're facing something that's difficult. But that prayer builds our faith. And our faith turns into trusting God. And when we trust God, we now have space to find joy in our everyday lives. And so I want to encourage us, church, that we would choose to trust in God in all areas of your life. With your kids, with your marriage, with your finances. Maybe you need to trust God with your past. You know, we're talking about having joy for today and for your future, but you are just ruminating on past mistakes and the mistakes that you did or happened to you and you are just consumed with regret from yesterday and maybe you've already said, God, would you forgive me? And he has, but you haven't forgiven yourself or somebody else and you are stuck in your past. But God says, I have a new hope and a joy and a purpose for your future. Trust him with your past, trust him with your future, that your best days are ahead. And the last way that we can cultivate joy in our everyday lives is to be thankful. Choose to be thankful. Now I know you might be like, oh, thankfulness. I already didn't want to sing the song about gratitude. When you're not feeling thankful, it is really difficult to be thankful. I've got two kids who are not afraid to show how they feel. And when they are not in a good mood, and I'm like, hey, you need to tell your brother thank you for that, they'll be like, I can't hear you, mom. I'm like, no, you need to tell your brother thank you. And it's like, thanks, right? Like, they don't want to do it. It's difficult to do. And the same for us. It can be difficult to express thankfulness when we don't feel it. Difficult to express it to somebody else, but also can be difficult to express it to God. And in the New Testament of the Bible, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about thankfulness. In the book of Philippians, he tells us, be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. Be thankful for anything. And then you'll experience God's peace. Now, when Paul was writing this verse, he was writing it from prison, his hands and his feet chained up. He didn't know if he would ever get out of prison. And yet he's saying, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Be thankful for anything. He goes on to write in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. And I want to be really clear here. Because if you are facing something difficult right now, this verse is not making light of heavy things in life. It's important that you know that. We have a God who cares about you. He would never do that. But what this verse is saying See, God doesn't tell you to be thankful 
for all circumstances, but to give thanks in all circumstances. And there's a difference. We don't read Paul saying, I'm so thankful for this prison. Yet while he is in prison, he is still being thankful. God's not asking you to give thanks for the diagnosis. He's not asking you to give thanks for the divorce. But in the middle of the diagnosis, in the middle of the divorce, still find something to be thankful for. Even though it's hard, even though you don't feel like it. And here's the amazing thing, is the Bible tells us to do this, to be thankful, not just for because God wants us to say it to him, but he's telling us to be thankful for your benefit. See, Jesus, during his life on this earth, we get to read about his stories and those words that he spoke in the New Testament. All throughout his time on this earth, we read that and we see that Jesus modeled for us thanksgiving. In the middle of difficult circumstances, he was thankful. And many times his thankfulness preceded the miracle. His thankfulness came before the breakthrough. We read about in the book of Luke that Lazarus, who was his best friend, had passed away and Jesus wasn't around. And so he finally gets his way to Lazarus' body. He had been dead for four days and everyone's mourning and grieving. And Jesus pauses and he stops and he prays and he said, thank you, God, that you have heard me. And then he performs a miracle to resurrect Lazarus from the dead. He prayed first and then he saw the miracle happen. We know the famous story of the feeding of the 5,000, right? They had a huge problem. They had lots of people there, 5,000 men plus women plus children. And all of these people were not just hungry, they were getting hangry. And there's no Taco Bell, there's no McDonald's to drive through, there's nothing in sight, no grocery stores. And so Jesus and his disciples have a little bit of food. And instead of cursing the not enough, instead of complaining about the little that they had, it says that Jesus gave thanks, and then it was multiplied to the point of abundance. They had left over by the time that that miracle had happened. And then in the book of Luke, we see Jesus, and he's preparing to go to the cross. He's gathered around a table with his disciples. It's the Last Supper. He's about to go and willingly lay down his life for you and for me. And it says he gathers his disciples together. And in Luke 22, 19, it says he took the bread, he gave thanks for it, broke it, and then gave it to them. I remember reading this passage maybe eight or nine years ago. And it was a season in my life that was just um, a, a heavy one. And I remember that season, everything kind of felt mundane. I felt weak, kind of worn out kind of weary. We didn't even have kids yet, right? So I was like, what's, what's happening, God? Why do I feel this way? And I was trying to work out what was going on. And I read this passage about how Jesus gave thanks. He broke the bread, which people say when Jesus broke the bread, it was symbolic of his body that would be broken. And also this life is broken. But yet in the middle of this broken life, we can still 
give thanks. And so as I began to study this passage more, I learned that these three words, he gave thanks, in the original language that the Bible was written in is actually just one word. And that one word is the word Eucharisto. And that word Eucharisto is comprised of two root words. Those root words are charis and kara. Charis and kara. And the word charis means grace. And the word kara means joy. And so in the very act of Jesus saying he's giving thanks, there was a grace for the moment and there was a joy for that time being produced. And I learned that if I want to have more grace for every day and I want to have more joy for every day, those two words are literally found in the word thanksgiving. And so I woke up in the morning and I was just trying to find things to be thankful for. Thank you, God, for coffee. That's easy. We're always going to be grateful for coffee. But beyond that, what else are we thankful for? God, thank you for the breath in my lungs. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. Thank you for my health. Thank you for provision. Thank you for our house. Thank you for our car. Thank you, Jesus. And as I began to go on the journey of saying, I am so full of thankfulness. Maybe I didn't feel like it but I was declaring it, I began to see produce in me a new grace. Have you ever seen someone walk through something so difficult and you're like, how are you doing this? And they're like, well, there's a grace on me for the very thing that I'm in. That's the kind of grace that God wants to give you. In the middle of the problems, in the middle of the uneasiness, there's a grace and there's a joy for you. But you have to do your part of saying thank you. I know maybe your house isn't what you wanted it to be or that relationship isn't there yet or you haven't had that breakthrough, but give thanks before you see it happen. And the Bible says for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. There is joy on the other side of the very thing that you need to be grateful for. Find something to be thankful for. And so if we want to have more joy, what do we do? We want to have more joy. I'm going to encourage you. What we learned today on a Sunday, take it into your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday. And joy might not be automatic, but as you practice the daily discipline of saying, I'm going to choose joy today. I have a choice in this. And you say, I'm going to choose to trust God. It might be hard, but I'm going to place my trust in him. I'm going to choose to be thankful for anything and everything. You're going to begin to experience the joy that overflows in your life. And I want you to know that the joy that's overflowing isn't just for you. Your kids are going to be the beneficiaries of that. And your workplace and your church and the people that you serve on the dream team with, the overflow is going to bless not just your life, but anyone who's in proximity of your life. And that's what we as Christ followers can be known for, joy to the full, to the overflow. So let's be committed to implementing these daily disciplines in our lives. Let me pray for us, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that you give us the gift of joy. We don't have to earn it. 
or deserve it, God, but we get to come before you and you give it to us. And so, Father, I pray that we as a church family will be committed to choosing joy, choosing to trust in you, and choosing to be thankful. And as we do that, I believe that we're going to see what we learned about today, joy to the full, to the overflow. So may we be faithful in doing that. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're with us and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, to make him the leader and forgiver of your life, we want to give you a moment to do that. The true joy, not the world's happiness, but the true joy the Bible talks about is available to you, but it starts with a relationship with Jesus. So if you've never made that decision today, you're not joining a church, but what you are doing is saying, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sins, rose again, giving me a freedom and a new life. If you wanna make that decision with no one looking around except for me, would you go ahead and slip up that hand? Say, I wanna choose to follow Jesus. I'm seeing hands go up, more hands going up. See another hand go up. We're not in a hurry, anybody else? I believe hands are going up online, I see your hand. You can go ahead and put your hands down and would everybody repeat this prayer after me so that nobody feels like they're saying it alone. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, that he died for me, forgives my sins, gives me a fresh start. Today I choose to follow him. And in your name we pray, amen. Church, we give everybody who prayed that prayer a huge round of applause.